Welcome to the Alaska Energy Dudes and Divas podcast, where Alaskans, lawmakers, and the media tune in to keep up with energy issues and legislation. Tune in to learn about Alaska's oil and gas and mining industries. Hear from oil, gas, mining, and energy experts, government officials, and lawmakers on developing Alaska's natural resources and energizing Alaska. Here's your host, Deborah Brolini. Hey there, Deborah Berlini here, coming to you from Anchorage, Alaska, where you can't make this stuff up. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Alaska Energy Dudes and Divas podcast. Today's podcast, I welcome Senator Mike Dunleavy, who is running to be Alaska's next governor. The decisions our next governor makes today will determine Alaska's future. Filling up the Trans-Alaska Pipeline should be Alaska's number one priority. Tough decisions are required to increase oil production through my Trans-Alaska Pipeline, and I will be asking Senator Dunleavy about his plans on increasing oil production through TAPS and moving Alaska forward. So without further ado... So welcome, Senator Dunleavy. How are you today? It's good to be here, Deb. Thanks for having me. So one of the things I wanted to discuss with you is why you decided to run for governor. Uh, You know, I love this state. I've been here since 83. When I came up here, this, there was so much optimism and opportunity in this state. I went to uh, southeast Alaska, came into Ketchikan, went over to Prince of Wales Island, um, came in right out of college, and um, was working in a logging camp, and people were just making money hands over fist. I mean, wealth was being created left and right, left and right. Uh, and I tell folks the story. I can recall two of my coworkers, they were heading out to Seattle. And I said, where, where are you going? They said, we're going out and buy a pickup truck. And I said, um, we started to talk, and basically what they told me is they were going to buy a pickup truck with the cash in their pockets from the money they made over the last couple months or several months. That's the kind of money people were making back then. Um, flash forward to today, you have um, a situation now where we're not creating wealth anymore in this state. What we're doing is we're coming up with schemes to take money from each other's pockets. That is a, um, that's a scenario that's going to really kill Alaska because our economy, like every, every other economy in every other state, is predicated upon growth. And we have to grow. We have to create new wealth. And the way we do that in Alaska, more oil, Timber, hopefully, uh, uh, minerals, rare earths, and there's probably some other things we can capitalize in the future, but that's our bread and butter is really oil at this stage of the game. And with those fines up on the slope that we have now, we can get them online within a reasonable period of time, next five years or so. We will have wealth to sustain our, our, uh, our economy, to sustain our government, uh, our budgets. But um, the enthusiasm, I think, is gone. We want to we restore the enthusiasm, the opportunity, the optimism. My goal is to create, again, create as much wealth as possible by allowing business and industry to come into the state of Alaska, make this a place they want to invest in, take care of our regulatory and permitting processes so we can help out in shrinking those uh, timelines uh, to get those permits, and um, just keeping an eye on our taxes. We, sh- we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be poised to tax whenever there's a new find or new industry that comes to the state of Alaska. We should really be focused on um, um, containing our spending. If we do that, we will create jobs and we will create wealth. So where were you in 86 when our economy crashed? I was in Koyuk, Alaska. Um, I was a teacher. I was out in rural Alaska, and um, we were impacted, just like the rest of the state was impacted uh, pretty severely by that uh, recession and that crash. I mean, I, re- I can recall talking with folks about potentially buying condominiums for $17,000 a piece here in Anchorage. And there was a loss of optimism back then. There were some people that thought we would never get out of it. But there were some of us that believed we would because of the resources that we had. We always knew that... You know, these things go in cycles, and if we just take care of our house, our spending, et cetera, et cetera, make sure that we are still a place to invest in, we always believe that we could come back as a state, and we did come back. 
last couple years here, last three or four years, we've fallen on hard times again, um, not as a result of losing resources, but as a result of just poor policies and poor leadership. Oil is something that is my priority and filling up the Trans-Alaska pipeline, and that requires a partnership with our largest um, investors and largest taxpayers because our futures are linked. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you plan on increasing oil production and working with our largest investors to for them to get excited about investing in Alaska because I'm not really feeling it. Yeah, well, it should be all of our priority. I mean, for example, again, policy is the key. Look at Venezuela for a moment. Venezuela has 20% of the world's oil, more than Saudi Arabia, more than Russia. They didn't run out of oil. Venezuela ran out of leadership and good policies, and their tax policies are horrendous. I mean, the oil industry in, in Venezuela is actually falling apart, not because of a lack of oil. Uh, let's look at Alaska. Several significant fines over the last couple of years uh, by Conoco, Kalis, Armstrong, and others. Um, it just shows that we have a future in oil. But for folks to want to invest more in Alaska and be part of Alaska, the state has to be a responsible partner. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that we have our spending under control so that we don't send a message to the world that we cannot control our spending and therefore we're going to tax them. And we have to have our taxation policies under control. Um, we also, as an executive, once elected governor, you know, my job will be uh, to really take a look at, again, the regulatory and permitting processes so that instead of putting a shingle on Alaska that says, uh, uh, you know, no more business, we become an investment destination, a capital investment destination for industries, not just nationwide, but worldwide. We should capitalize on our resources, starting with oil. We can, we can create policies uh, at the state level, I think, that will entice folks to be here, but also show that we're a reliable partner. We can't be shifting our tax regime back and forth. We can't be messing around with our regulatory processes and we've got to keep our spending under control. If we do those things, I think we have a bright future. I've just felt over watching Governor Walker's relationship with the legislature uh, just as a zero-sum game, and I wanted to talk to you about how whatever this election cycle, the result of it is what your leadership will be into working with the legislature on increased oil production and setting those priorities as spending so it's not this big fight and rumble at the end of the legislative mm -hmm. session which seems to be seems to be every every year so i don't think it has to be that way right. but that i'm just uh, someone who watches gavel right. to gavel and that's what i see right unfortunately when uh, when uh, governor walker was elected he, he came in as a litigator not a leader meaning he fell back on his past profession as a lawyer, and that's where you're, you're confrontational with groups that you believe are maybe antagonistic to your um, agenda. And um, so, you know, my background as an educator, principal superintendent, you're dealing with a multi-level, uh, complex organization, schools, programs, funding sources. You have to bring them all together to have an outcome. I've talked with some of my fellow colleagues down in the legislature, both in the House and the Senate, and um, the message they give, they give me is they'd love to have an individual in that governor's mansion that works with them, that talks with them before the session starts. What are we going to reduce? How do we get more investment in the state of Alaska? And actually partner 
in putting together uh, legislation, bills, et cetera, to actually make this happen. And so the folks that I've talked to are looking forward to a change in, in the governorship. They're looking for somebody that's going to, um, again, control spending by, by submitting lower budgets and, if necessary, using the veto pen, but also engage those folks in Juneau, in the legislature, as much as one could possibly do in terms of actually creating an agenda together not one that's antagonistic, but creating an agenda together. I know that all those folks down there want to have more wealth for Alaska. They want to have more revenue for Alaska. They want to have more jobs for Alaska. These are the things we can agree on, and then we just have to put in place the policies that are going to get us there, whether they are what is whether it's legislation, again, uh, uh, executive orders by the um, by the governor's office, regulatory processes, permitting processes, and the governor can make sure that these things happen, at least in the executive, by putting the right people in place in key positions as commissioners. And so uh, that's why I'm optimistic. If I didn't think these things, could, these things could happen, I wouldn't be running for governor, Deb. I think people are looking for that type of leadership, and um, I'm, I'm excited to be able to provide it once we get in there. So we're going to take a little break. The housing market in Alaska can change so quickly, it can be difficult to know when to act. That's why my good friend, Margaret Nelson, over at Denali Real Estate is who you need to call at 632-4594. Whether you are buying or selling, Margaret has the knowledge you need to make the right decision. Of course, she has 30 years experience in the market, but what's great about Margaret is whether you are a first-time homebuyer or flipping houses like Chip and Joanna Gaines, Margaret has the insight you want. Her specialties include residential, commercial, and business sales and acquisitions. Call Margaret for action, communication, and results. She's highly recommended in Anchorage. For peak service, give Margaret Nelson at Denali Real Estate a call at 632-4594. Call her today. So we're back, and I'm here with Senator Mike Dunleavy, who's running for governor. One of the things I've been most concerned about is the state spending and what that message is to our our largest investors and taxpayers to want to encourage that investment in Alaska and for every dollar that's not here in Alaska that's a job and a dollar not circulating through Alaska and I don't know if the economic multiplier is still seven but that's a lot of money that's leaving the state and I would like to keep those investment dollars here those jobs here and just wanted to talk a little bit about how you plan on reducing spendings so it's not a total jolt to all of us and tank our economy in the process. Yeah, no, good question. So last year, our, our budget was about $4.3 billion. That's our state spending, our unrestricted general fund. Really, when you look at what our revenues are, and we're fortunate now because our revenues now, uh, we began the year with revenues about $2.3 billion. But because of the increase in oil to nearly $80 a barrel, we're probably up about $2.7 billion. And where I'm going with this is we, we, we have the revenues to be able to sustain a budget somewhere in the neighborhood of $4.1 billion um, with roughly 2% growth, which would be about $80 million a year. That type of growth would get us over the next five to seven years, would allow us to get those fines online that are on the slope. Conoco's, Kalis, uh, Armstrong, et cetera, and get two to 300,000 barrels in the um, pipeline. The problem is, though, we've been increasing our spend and last year, and this year, my understanding is that we've increased the spend again by $300 million. That's an 8% increase. The problem with that is if you keep increasing your budget by 8% a year, or roughly $300 million a year, in five years, that's $1.5 billion. It's unsustainable by any model. 
They talk about you know, fiscal models that are sustainable, et cetera. That is an unsustainable model. You'll blow through your earnings reserve that was just um, calculated through SB26. There won't be enough oil revenue, and you're going to have to go tax either the oil companies or the, the people of Alaska. That's a recipe for disaster. We're going to have to box this budget in somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 to $4.1 billion through some type of revised appropriation limit, or at the very least, uh, a governor that's going to submit budgets of 4 to $4.1 billion. And then veto any um, any line item that comes across that's uh, within that framework of four four point one billion dollars. If you don't do that, you send a message to investors, uh, the industries, even to Alaskans that we cannot control our spending. And if we can't control our spending, then there's no one in sight. And if there's no one in sight, who would want to invest here? Who would want to stay here? That's the problem. The operating budget is going to be the um, the issue that we have to tackle. Because if we don't, the scenario I just laid out is going to happen, and you're not going to have any money for capital to punch roads into some of the wilderness areas to be able to uh, uh, get close to new finds for oil and minerals and, and be able to create more wealth and jobs. The operating budget is the enemy of Alaskans, and it's the enemy of our future if we don't control it. One of the things that was part of SB 21 was the Competitiveness Review Board. Would you continue with, with that part of the legislation? I know. That was important to me because it's like a SWOT analysis where it's data, it's not personal. Yeah, I think we need to, that's a very good point, I, I would, and I think we need to continue with using data to form and uh, create, you know, help, help frame our decisions. I, I certainly would continue with that. I also think what we need to take a look at is, um, you know, is, is to have a, a, standing, a standing group, a committee of experts that just deals with our resources as well and our transportation systems because in order to to get to where the resources are, we're going to have to have some form of transportation. You know, some would say a pipeline's a form of transportation, the railroad, roads, et cetera. But those work hand in glove. And, and when, you're, when, when one is elected governor, all of these departments have to work together as one. As I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, you know, as a superintendent of a school district where you have separate schools and separate departments and separate funding sources, you have to bring them all together to work as one. If we don't do that in state government, you have departments fighting with each other or not in alignment with each other, and as a result, your policies don't get implemented. Industries and the people of Alaska are looking for a state government that's going to function, that's going to deal with these issues, that's going to, again, control the size of government, and then use the money that we have for priorities, such as public safety, such as education, and such uh, things such as managing our natural resources and transportation. Get back to our basics. Don't think we can all be all things to all people. Control the size of government. If we do that, I believe we're going to get more investment in the state of Alaska, create more wealth, and create more jobs. Well, I was disappointed on SB 26. I don't know what to say about it other than it's, uh, it's passed. What were your thoughts about that and where we go moving forward? Yeah, it's somewhat confusing because SB 26 did not extinguish the um, decades-old legislation, the dec decades-old statutes for calculating a dividend. It was kind of like an overlay, and we're still trying to, we're tr still trying to understand it. But basically, SB 26 put an overlay on the permanent fund, the earnings reserve, of a, a POMV of 5.25%, which through the calculation of ledge finance allows the legislature to withdraw $2.7 billion per year out of that fund for the purpose of either government 
the PFD or combination of both. The issue with with um, with that um, draw again is there's still some confusion as to what happens to these statutes that have been on the books for decades. And, and until that's clarified, that's going to be a problem. But I've already committed that as a governor, I'm going to be following the decades-old calculations that still exist in terms of calculating the uh, the, the the dividend and calculating the funds, um, what the fund can spin off. There was nothing wrong with the permanent fund or the PFD program. And I think people need to remember that. There was nothing wrong with it. What happened was our spending kept growing and our oil revenues um, decreased. And it's been my contention all along that unless we can control our budgets, you're never going to have enough money to keep up with the spend that we're currently uh, exhibiting. 8% a year, $300 million a year. You cannot keep up with that. And whether you think you can, one can use the PFD or the permanent fund to, to deal with that issue, not at that rate of spend. And not only that, but you will scare off um, investment. So um, we're still trying to work through exactly the, uh, how SB 26 impacts those decades-old statutes, but it's, um, it's, it's somewhat confusing. I'm not sure if it's actually going to do what people think it's supposed to do. In closing, you have a lot of optimism for Alaska, and just tell me a little bit about your optimism and where you think we can go from here, and, and just tell Alaskans if our future's bright or we head into an 86 crash. Um, wear your sunglasses, everyone. It's going to be really bright. All of our issues right now in Alaska are man-made. There was no massive earthquake, or we didn't get hit by a meteorite or an asteroid, or you know, uh, uh, our, our state was not wrecked by some natural catastrophe. This is all about policies. As I mentioned earlier, Venezuela is still Venezuela under the ground, but above the ground, a radically dysfunctional government that is um, really killing that country. The state of Alaska, if we change our policies, we get the right leader in there and the right policies in there, we can maximize the development of our resources. And by maximizing the development of those resources, you're going to create thousands of jobs, you're going to create billions of dollars in wealth, and you're going to create an environment for Alaska in which this place is going to be a fantastic place to live, not just because it's beautiful and all the activities we can do outdoors, but because of the family wage jobs that it'll, uh, it'll, it'll create. And so with a couple tweaks, a couple policy tweaks, getting our budgets under control and sending a message to the world that Alaska is open for business, I am absolutely optimistic about the opportunities for Alaska. I've got three daughters. They live in Alaska right now. Uh, some of them work at Red Dog Mine, uh, taking courses and becoming engineers. Uh, the middle daughter is. Um, and, and, and I'm just, I can't tell you how excited I am about the future of Alaska. It's all policies. So I would say to the people of Alaska, Make sure you get the right person in there that's going to execute the right policies. If you do, you will see results within the next couple of years. A turnaround in terms of investment, a turnaround in terms of job creation, better public safety, better schools. Um, this is why I'm excited, Deb. I think, this is, uh, I think the future of Alaska is bright. So, yes, put on your sunglasses, everyone. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. It's go big or go home here with Dunleavy. Thank you again for agreeing to do the podcast. Remember, thank you, Senator. standing tall for Alaska is what it's all about. Thank you. I would like to thank Senator Mike Dunleavy for stopping by and visiting with us to share his vision and optimism about Alaska's future. Alaska's lifeblood is the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. Filling up my Trans-Alaska Pipeline is a win-win for all parties and should be all Alaskans' number one priority. I was delighted to learn that Senator Dunleavy shares that priority and believes Alaska's future is bright. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter. Remember, it's Alaska. Go big or go home. Alaska all the way, baby. Talk soon.